0: Section thirty one of Young Folk's Treasury, volume three, edited by Hamilton Wright, maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer, adapted by Janet Harvey Kelman. Number one, Dorigen. Once upon a time, a young knight, whose name was Arviragus, dwelt in Brittany. In the same country lived a beautiful lady called Dorigen, and the knight loved the lady. For years Arviragus did not know whether she loved him or not. She was a great lady and very fair, and he was afraid to ask her. But she knew that he loved her, for when he rode past her window on his way to the wars, she could see her colors streaming from his helmet. At first she did not think much of this, for many knights fought for love of her. But as she heard of new and greater deeds that this noble knight did, year by year, she began to care for him a great deal when she thought of his goodness and of the honour in which he held her she knew that there was no one else that she could love as she loved arviragus and when arviragus knew that she loved him and was willing to be his wife his heart was full of joy so greatly did he wish to make dorogen happy with him that he said to her that he would obey her and do what she wished as gladly all his life as he had done while he was trying to win her love to this she replied sir since in thy great gentleness thou givest me so high a place i pray to god that there may never be strife between us two by any fault of mine sir i will be thy true and humble wife until i die then arviragus took his bride home with him to his castle by the sea he honoured dorigen as much as he had done before his marriage and tried to fulfil her wishes in everything Dorigen was just as eager to please Arviragus as he was to please her, and they were happy together in all their work and play. Arviragus stayed quietly at home for a year, but after that he grew restless. He felt that no true knight had a right to live on quietly at home, with nothing to do except to order his castle and to hunt. So he sailed away to England, that he might win honor and renown in the wars there. Dorigen stood by the castle and watched his sails disappear in the north poor dorigen her husband was gone and she did not know if he would ever come back to her for weeks she wept and mourned at night she could not rest and by day she would not eat all the things that she cared most to do were now dull and worthless to her because arviragus was away her friends saw her sorrow and tried to comfort her in every way they could when they found she would not be comforted they spoke harshly to her and told her that it was very wrong of her to kill herself with sorrow when arviragus hoped to come home again strong and famous then they began to comfort her again and to try to make her forget her sadness after a long time dorigen's sorrow began to grow quieter she could not have lived if she had always felt her grief as deeply as she did at first indeed as it was this sorrow would have broken her heart if letters had not come from arviragus they brought her tidings of his doings and of the glory he had won but what comforted her most was that they told her that he would soon return when dorigen's friends saw that she was less hopeless they begged her to come and roam with them to drive away the last of her dark fears this she did often she walked with them by the edge of the cliffs on which her castle stood But there she saw the white ships and the brown barges sailing, one north, another south, to the havens for which they were bound. Then she would turn away from her friends and say to herself, Alas, of all the ships I see, is there never one that will bring my lord home? Then, should I need no comfort, my heart would be cured of this bitter smart. At times, as she sat and thought, she leaned down and looked over the brink of the cliffs. But when she saw the grisly black rocks, her very heart trembled within her, Then she would sink down on the grass and wail, O God, men say thou hast made nothing in vain, But, Lord, why hast thou made these black, grisly rocks? No man nor beast is helped by them in all the world. Rocks have destroyed a hundred thousand men, And which of all thy works is so fair as man? No doubt wise men will say all is for the best, But, O thou God, who makest the winds to blow, Keep thou my Lord. And would to God that these black rocks were sunk in the deep, for his sake they slay my heart with fear dorigen's friends saw that the sea brought back her sorrow they led her then by rivers and springs and took her to every lovely place they knew from which there was no glimpse of the sea in the valley to landward of the castle lay many beautiful gardens one day in may when the soft showers of spring had painted in brightest colors the leaves and flowers they spent the whole day in the fairest of these gardens they had games there and they dined under a spreading tree the breath of the fresh green leaves and the sweet scent of the flowers blew round them after dinner they began to dance and sing every one except dorigen she had no heart to sing and she would not dance because of all who joined in the dance not one was arviragus but though she would not dance she watched her friends and sometimes forgot her sorrow for a little among the dancers there was a young squire named aurelius He was much beloved because he was young and strong and handsome. Men thought him wise and good, but he was not always wise and good. When the dancing was over, Aurelius came up to Dorigen and asked her to give him a beautiful jewel that she wore on her breast. He said to her, Madam, of what use is thy jewel to thee when thou wearest it on thy bosom? Give it to me, and I will share with thee the price of it. Dorigen turned and gazed at him. Is this what thou dost wish?' I knew not what thou didst mean when thou didst look at me, but now I know. Listen, this is all I have to say to thee. I shall never part with my jewel, not though I were in rags and without food. Then she remembered how Arviragus had loved to see her wear her jewel, as she always did, on a chain of gold that he had given to her on her wedding day. She thought of the sea that separated him from her, and of the cruel black rocks, and said in play— Aurelius, I will freely give thee my jewel when thou dost remove every rock on the shore from end to end of Brittany. Then her anger at the selfishness of Aurelius rose again, and she bade him be gone. Madam, he said, it is impossible to move the rocks. With that word he turned away and went home to his own house. There his brother Austin found him in a trance, for Aurelius wished Dorigen's jewel more than he wished anything else on earth, and the thought that he could not get it made him so sad that he became dazed. "'Austin carried him to bed, and tried to soothe him in his grief and vexation. "'The jewel that Aurelius wished to get from Dorigen was no common one. "'It had been given to her at her birth. "'It was clear as crystal, but far more rare, and it shone in the daylight like the sun. "'When Dorigen was a little child, her mother told her of this wonderful stone. "'She told her that it would bring her joy and peace, "'and the love of all who were good and true, if she kept it bright and pure.' but that if she ever gave it away she would lose her youth and her beauty, and would be hidden away from all her friends and left alone in the world. Dorigen shuddered at the thought of parting with her jewel. She did not know how her mother's words would come to pass if she did give it away, nor by what magic power she could be so lost that no one who loved her could find her again, but she was sure that what her mother had said must be true. And that was why Dorigen was so angry with Aurelius, She knew that he must have heard what sorrow she would suffer if she gave him her jewel, for all the court knew the story of the wonderful stone. Not long after this Arviragus came home. He had won more honor than before, and was now the very flower of chivalry. I cannot tell you how great the joy was with which he greeted Dorigen, nor how soon she forgot her fears of the sea and the grisly rocks." for two years while they lived a joyful life together aurelius lay in bed unable to rise with no one to take care of him except his brother austin this brother mourned over aurelius in secret and wept at his unhappy fate till one day he remembered a book of magic that he had seen when he was a student in orleans in that book he had read of the strange ways in which magicians can make things seem what they are not his heart leapt up He said to himself, My brother shall be cured. I am sure I have heard of stranger things than that the rocks should seem to vanish. Once I heard of a magician who made everyone believe that a great brown barge was rowing up and down a sheet of water inside the hall of a castle. If he could do that, then surely we shall be able to find a magician who will make those black rocks seem to vanish. Then Dorigen will have to keep her promise and give Aurelius her wonderful jewel." austin then ran to his brother's room and told him about the book of magic at orleans no sooner had aurelius heard him than he leaped out of bed in less time than one would think possible he was ready to start on the long ride to orleans when they came near the city they met a magician they knew him to be a magician because of the strange look in his eyes and because of his curious dress when they rode up to him he bowed before them and wished them good day then he began to tell them why they had come to orleans Aurelius wondered how it was that this stranger knew so much about him and his errand. He thought he must be a very wise man indeed, and leaping from his horse in surprise and joy he went home with the magician to his house. His brother went too. The house was the finest that Aurelius had ever seen. When he entered the study he looked in wonder at the rows of books that lined the walls, and at the quaint pictures and the strange old armor. In one corner a curious light burned. It was not like the light of a lamp or of a candle, but— cold and blue. Above it hung a map of the stars and other strange drawings. Below the light stood a table, and on it lay a great book which was chained to the wall. Austin saw Aurelius look at this book. He whispered to him, it is the same book from which I read long ago. This corner with its blue light made Aurelius frightened. A shudder passed over him when he saw the magician cross over into the circle of the light and wave his wand. In a moment Aurelius forgot all about the magician and his own fear, for he and his brother saw before them the edge of a forest with a park stretching from the trees far, far away. The sun shone and the branches waved a little in the breeze. In the park the brothers saw herds of deer, beautiful animals they were, with the highest antlers deer ever had at first the deer fed in peace and safety then archers clad in green came to the edge of the forest they glided out and in among the trees to see where they could best take aim with their arrows when the archers had let their arrows fly hounds broke out from behind them and soon there was not one living deer of all the herd left in sight in a moment a calm river flowed where the park had been in the shallow water at the river's edge tall herons stood they watched for the little fishes that swam in the river Again into this quiet place a hunter came. He had no arrows, he had no dogs, but on his wrist he had an iron bracelet to which one end of a chain was fastened. The other end of the chain was round a hawk's foot, and the hawk sat on his master's wrist. When the hunter came near the river he loosed the chain from the bird's foot. The hawk flew over the river and swooped down among the herons. In a moment they had all vanished. Aurelius had scarcely time to sigh when the river itself was gone, and a plain lay where it had been, There he saw the knights of King Arthur's table, jousting. Beautiful ladies sat and watched the struggle, and one more fair than all held the prizes the knights might win. Then the figures of the knights began to grow dim and uncertain. The plain changed into a great hall, where knights and ladies danced. Everything was bright and sparkling. Mirrors lined the walls, and their cut edges flashed back the light that fell on them. As Aurelius watched the dance, he started. There before him, more beautiful than ever, was Dorigen. His heart gave a great leap, for, as he watched her, he saw that she no longer wore her jewel. In his delight he swayed to the music of the dance. Clap-clap went the magician's hands, and all was gone. The great room that had seemed so splendid to Aurelius when he entered it looked cold and plain now when he returned to it from Fairyland. The magician called his servant and asked for supper, then he led the brothers away and feasted them royally. "'After supper the three men began to talk about what the magician should get from Aurelius "'if he made the rocks vanish. "'The magician said, "'I cannot take less than a thousand pounds, "'and I am not sure if I can do it for that. "'Aurelius was too delighted to bargain about what the cost would be. "'He said gladly, "'What is a thousand pounds? "'I would give thee the whole round world if I were lord of it. "'The bargain is made. "'Thou shalt be paid in full, but do not delay. "'Let us start to-morrow morning without fail.' "'Thou mayest count on me to-morrow,' said the magician. They went to bed, and Aurelius slept soundly and well because of the hope he had that the magician would make the rocks vanish. Next morning they rose early. It was Christmas time, and the air was cold and frosty as they rode away. The very sunlight was pale, and the trees were bare. When they reached home, the neighbors gathered round and wished them a Merry Christmas. "'Noel! Noel!' they said. But they would not have done so, had they known what sorrow the riders brought to their beautiful Lady Dorigen. For many days the magician worked with his maps and figures. Aurelius waited impatiently. There was nothing for him to do except to make the magician as comfortable as he could and to show him as much kindness as possible. One morning Aurelius looked from his window toward the sea. He saw the magician standing on the shore. As Aurelius gazed out to sea, the rocks vanished from north to south. His heart stood still. THEN HE RUSHED OUT AND AWAY TO THE EDGE OF THE CLIFFS, FOR FEAR SOME ROCKS MIGHT STILL LIE CLOSE TO THE LAND. BUT NO, THERE WAS NOT ONE. HE WENT TO MEET THE MAGICIAN AND FELL AT HIS FEET WITH THE WORDS, THANKS TO THEE, MY LORD, THANKS TO THEE, MY CARES ARE GONE. AFTER HE HAD THANKED THE WISE MAN, HE HURRIED AWAY TO MEET Dorigen. WHEN HE SAW HER, HE TREMBLED. SHE WAS SO PURE AND BEAUTIFUL. HIS HEART SANK. THEN HE LOOKED OUT TO sea AND SAW THE SMOOTH SURFACE OF THE WATER, AND HE GREW SELFISH AGAIN dorigen came quietly on she had not noticed the rocks had vanished for arviragus was safe on land and she did not fear the sea any more she had almost forgotten aurelius and his selfish greedy words it was more than two years since she had seen him and she had not heard of him since then she started back when he greeted her before she had time to speak he said my lady give me thy jewel he saw dorigen's face grow cold and angry and said think well lest thou break thy word for, madam, thou knowest well what thou didst say. In yonder garden in the month of May thou didst promise to give me thy jewel when I should move the rocks. I speak to save thine honour. I have done as thou didst command me. Go thou, and see if thou wilt. But well I know the rocks are vanished. He left her then. She stood still, white and sick. She had never dreamt that such a trap as this could close on her. Alas, she said, that such a thing could happen I never thought a thing so strange and unheard of could come to pass. Home she went in sadness and dismay. She was so weak with fear that she could scarcely walk. She had to suffer her sorrow alone for three days, for Arviragus was away, and she would tell no one but him. Her ladies saw her distress, but they could not comfort her. To herself she moaned, Alas, O fortune, I lay the blame on thee. Thou hast so bound me in thy chain that I see no help nor escape save only in death. Arviragus came home on the third day after the rocks had vanished. He came at night, so he noticed nothing strange about the shore. Though everyone was talking of the curious thing that had happened, no one liked to tell him. They knew he would not like to hear of it. He would think his country was bewitched. Arviragus looked for Dorigen in the hall. When he could not see her there, he hurried to her room to make sure she was safe and well. As he sprang up the broad staircase, the sheath of his sword and the spurs at his heels clanked harshly on the stone steps. Dorigen heard him, but instead of going to meet him, she buried her head deeper in her cushions and wept. Arviragus crossed the room to where she sat, and knelt before her. He drew her hands from her eyes and said, "'Dorigen, what is it? Why dost thou weep like this, my beloved?' For a little time Dorigen's tears only fell the faster. Then she said, brokenly, "'Alas, that ever I was born! I have said it, Arviragus, I have promised. What hast thou promised, my wife?' Then Dorigen told Arviragus all that had happened— told him that she had promised to give her jewel to aurelius when he would take all the rocks away arviragus leaped up and went to the window the moon had burst through a cloud and everything was bright and clear he looked away north as dorigen had so often looked to watch for his coming in the moonlight arviragus saw the sea lie smooth and cold his eyes swept the skyline. it seemed as if all the rocks had sunk into his heart it was so heavy he turned toward dorigen and saw how great was her sorrow then he said very gently is there aught else than this that thou shouldst weep dorigen nay nay this is indeed too much already she sighed dear wife he said something as wonderful as the sinking of the rocks may happen to save us yet god grant it but whether or not thou must keep thy troth i had rather that my great love for thee caused me to die than thou shouldst break thy promise truth is the highest thing that man may keep then his courage broke down and he began to sob and weep along with Dorigen. Next morning he was strong and brave again. He said to Dorigen, I will bear up under this great sorrow. He bade her farewell, and she set out with only a maid and a squire to follow her. Arviragus could not bear to see Dorigen as she went down from the castle, so he hid himself in an inner room. But some one saw her go out. It was Aurelius. For three days he had watched the castle gate to see what she did and where she went. He came forward and said, "'Whither goest thou?' Dorigen was almost mad with misery, "'but she said bravely, "'To thee, to keep my troth, "'and give my jewel to thee as my husband bids me. "'Alas, alas!' "'Aurelius was full of wonder when he heard this. "'He began to be sorry for Dorigen, "'and for Arviragus, the worthy knight, "'who would rather lose his wife "'than have her break her word. "'He could be cruel no longer. "'Madam,' he said, "'say to thy lord Arviragus "'that since I see his great honour, and thy sad distress i had rather bear my own sorrow than drive thee away from him and all thy friends i give thee back thy promise i shall never trouble thee more farewell farewell thou truest woman and best that i have ever seen down on her knees in the roadway fell dorigen to thank aurelius her blessing followed him as he turned and left her but how can i tell of dorigen's return She seemed to be treading on air. When she reached the room where her husband sat with his head sunk on his arms, she paused. She had not known the greatness of his love till then. He looked old and forlorn after the night of sorrow. She spoke, and he raised his eyes to gaze on her as if she had been a lady in a dream. But when she told him all, when he knew that she was there herself and for always, he could not speak for joy. Aurelius wished he had never been born when he thought of the thousand pounds of pure gold that he owed to the magician he said to himself what shall i do i am undone i must sell my house and be a beggar i will not stay here and make my friends ashamed of me unless i can get the magician to give me time i will ask him to let me pay him part of my debt year by year till all is paid if he will my gratitude will know no bounds and i will pay him every penny i owe with a sore heart he went to his coffer and took out five hundred pounds of gold these he took to the wise man and begged him to grant him time to pay the rest master said he i can say truly i never yet failed to keep a promise my debt shall be paid to thee even if i go begging in rags but if thou wilt be so gracious as to allow me two years or three in which to pay the rest i will rejoice if not i must sell my house there is no other way when the magician heard this he said have not i kept my promise to thee yes certainly well and truly hast thou not thy jewel no no said aurelius and sighed deeply TELL ME, IF THOU MAYEST, WHAT IS THE CAUSE OF THIS? Arviragus, in his honour, had rather die in sorrow and distress than that his wife should break her word. Dorigen would rather die than lose her husband and wander alone in the earth. She did not mean to give me her promise. She thought the rocks would never move. I pitied them so much that I gave her back her promise, as freely as she brought her jewel to me. That is the whole story. The magician answered, Dear brother, you have each behaved nobly. "'Thou art a squire, he is a knight, but by God's grace I can do a noble deed as well as another. Sir, thou art free from thy debt to me, as free as if thou hadst this moment crept out of the ground and had never known me till now. For, sir, I will not take a penny from thee for all my skill, nor for all my work. It is enough. Farewell, good day to thee.' Whereupon the magician bowed once and again, mounted his horse, and rode away. Dorigen and Arviragus were walking on the cliffs as the magician parted from Aurelius. They noticed the two men, and when the horsemen rode away, they saw a strange white mist rise from the sea and follow the rider. Dorigen caught her husband's arm, for there, there, out at sea, and close by the cliffs, were the rocks, grisly and black and fearsome as before. The sunlight fell on her jewel, and it shone more brightly than of old, nor did its light Ever go dim in all the happy years that followed. End of section thirty one.